Hey everybody, welcome to a very, very special edition of This Week in Marvel. This is episode number 148 of the official Marvel podcast. My name is Ben Morse, I'm the editor of Marvel.com. Why is it so special, you may ask? Well, it's going to be a very sick edition. And by sick, hopefully I mean good, but more I mean just very ill. I myself uh, am just coming back from a sickness, which is why my voice is a little quiet. Ryan, Agent M, is out today. So what that means is uh, we're going to change the format a little to accommodate what's going on, but we're still going to get you guys an episode as we always do. I'm going to run through comics on sale this week. I'm going to tell you guys all the news. I'm going to throw it to Mark. Uh, we were scheduled to do a Reading Club episode this week, but since Ryan is out, um, and since we had done the first six epi- uh, the first six issues of Squadron Supreme for this week, I'm just going to say read the next six issues of Squadron Supreme and we will do our regular reading club in two weeks when everyone's had a chance to finish the full series. We'll cover all 12 issues. We'll try to get Tom Brevoort in here to talk about. It should be a lot of fun. But today, a little bit of an abbreviated episode. Hopefully you guys will let it slide uh, since I'm a little under the weather and Ryan is as well. Uh, maybe Mark's sick. Mark's as sick as he ever is. But that being said, let's cover all our normal bases, starting with comics on sale this week and starting with All New Invaders number 9. Written by James Robinson, art by Steve Pugh. Uh, very cool cover. Let me see who did this cover, because I dig it a lot. Um, Michael Comark. Yeah, I like Michael Comark. He's, he's been doing some good stuff. Deathlock, heavy focus of this issue. Captain America trying to save the day as Bucky, Human Torch, and Namor have all infiltrated the and villainous base looking for Toro. It turns out they're trying to lure Human Torch there. It's run by a guy, former Nazi. Turns out to be more than he seems. He's obsessed with Deathlocks. He has Luther Manning, the original Deathlock, and an army of Deathlocks he's collected from across time and space. A lot of little neat nods to Marvel continuity here that James Robinson's so good at. Also, just a really badass Deathlock versus everybody fight. And like I said, a big twist at the end that sets up the next arc of this book. Just very cool what James Robinson's doing, and this is not the last we'll see of him this week. All New X-Men number 31, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by new series artist Mahmoud Asrar. Uh, We jump back and forth a bit here from, believe it or not, the Ultimate Universe, where if you remember back to Spider-Man, there was a portal left open between the Ultimate Universe and our universe, or the Marvel Universe. I don't actually live there. Um, So something's going on with that portal. That's going to become important down the line. Back at the Xavier School, Um, the older X-Men head off for their whole, uh, they, they head off for the last one on Testament of Charles Xavier story. It's going on Uncanny X-Men, leaving the kids alone. So the all new X-Men kind of catch up with Angel and X-23 who just got back. Some fun scenes with them. Jean Grey trying to relate to X-23. A phenomenal joke that one of the cuckoos tells about Jean Grey and gold balls, which, uh, I will leave for you guys to see. Then... Hank, young Hank, young beast has got Cerebro working, so they find out there's a new mutant activating. The all-new X-Men, along with Laura, go off to see what's going on with this all-new mutant. And that brings things back around to what I talked about at the start, that being the Ultimate Universe. And if you've read interviews, you know where this is heading next. Speaking of the Ultimate Universe, all-new Ultimates, number seven, written by Michelle Thief, art by, hope I don't screw this up, Giannis Milano Giannis. So yeah, Giannis Milano Giannis. And I realize I just went uh, out of alphabetical order 
from all new X-Men to all new Ultimates, but that's the kind of episode this is going to be. Um, the all new Ultimates are pursuing crossbones through the sewer. They end up coming across Vermin. So Ultimate Vermin, Michelle Fief continues his run of just awesome random 80s characters in their ultimate versions uh he also is working with someone else or being forced to work by someone else a lot of cool use of the ultimate's powers stuff going on with surge now at the police station not surge scourge uh introduction of the bengal speaking of obscure and the first arc of the ultimates bleeding into their next arc uh some pretty gross stuff the art by giannis miller giannis is really something cool it's, it's very gritty uh it's very I, I like it's a different take, as all new Ultimates has been a different take on the Ultimate Universe, would, in which case we see a lot of, you know, glossy, high-action power costumes. You think of, like, Brian Hitch and Mark Bagley. This is very different, more of an art house approach to the Ultimate Universe. Very cool. Amazing Spider-Man, number 1.4, continuing the learning to crawl storyline. This has been a real fun, uh, just, you know, not... It's, it's, it's re-looking at Spider-Man's origins. It's changing some things, but really just a cool story that can fit into the Spider-Man mythos. It's additive, doesn't take anything away. Peter Parker finally feels like he is starting to, starting to figure things out. He's figuring out a way to honor his responsibility, and to him the responsibility is important is taking care of his family, taking care of Aunt May. He has not necessarily come around to the whole, I need to take care of the whole world thing. That's what this story is about. He's figuring out a way to make money, taking photographs. He is actually starting to be happy at school, uh, joining the AV club, working with his guidance counselor, um, gets an internship that's going to work out really well, and we see kind of the in-between of his uh, first meeting with the Tinkerer, but while this is all going on, Clash, great new villain, kind of the inverse of Spider-Man, another really smart teenager um, who would be Spider-Man if not for a few bad breaks in terms of how he's going. He is trying to get attention. Uh, when he attacks the Daily Bugle, Spider-Man happens to be there. It all goes pretty wrong, and everything that was going right for Peter Parker starts to unravel, meaning he's got to learn some new lessons. Kind of crushing scene at the end uh, where he ends up at Uncle Ben's grave. Very sad. Um, great art by Ramon Perez, Dan Slott. We've been an excellent story. Going to fit in as a very nice, just all-time Spider-Man story that you can go back and read whenever. Avengers number 34 by Jonathan Hickman. And the Neil Francis Yu finally wraps up the Avengers original Sin tie-in. And Captain America has come to the end of the line where he meets up with Iron Lad, uh, Amortis, and Kang. So three versions of Kang. They try to let him know what's up with the incursions once and for all. Try to somewhat manipulate him into what he needs to do. Uh, Cap, not really having any of it. This is kind of defiant Cap at his best and just being like, look, this is how I'm going to handle the situation. Taking on forces way more powerful than him. Paying off a couple of things from earlier in this arc and ultimately putting into motion the events that will lead into Time Runs Out. Beautiful art by Lineal Francis Yu in this issue as he's drawing aliens, he's drawing technology. A lot of stuff that really works well with his intricate line work and all the detail he goes into. This is catered to him. Jonathan Hickman does a nice job teeing him up. Avengers Undercover number nine. We are finally winding down this whole Avengers Arena, Avengers Undercover saga, which I'll be very sorry to see go, but uh, Dennis Hopeless really doing it right. He's got Timothy Green II on art here. The Avengers invade Begalia to try to launch some sort of rescue mission for these kids, the Avengers Undercover, but that feeds into Zemo's plans. You got Damon Hellstrom, you got Madame Mask, you got 
Constrictor and all of these kids. A lot of this issue is devoted to the kids trying to take down Hellstrom, uh, anachronism, and um, Hazmat teaming up. Cullen Bloodstone finally coming to the fore. I almost called him Cullen Bun. Uh, you know, they're just similar. Some satisfying moments for them. Really cool thing for Nico. Kind of a heartbreaker with Alex. Um, just continuing the storytelling that Hopeless has become known for as far as really digging into these kids and a bit of a cliffhanger ending with Death Locket. Cyclops number four, written by Greg Rucka, art by Carmen Carnero. What a fabulous book. Um, Greg Rucka, able to do so much with so little. And, and, and what I mean by that is this entire story is just Cyclops and his dad, Corsair, stranded on an alien planet where they got stranded last issue, um, trying to figure out how to survive. No supervillains, no big explosions, just a kid and his father bonding, fighting, learning, um, getting the feel for each other. A lot of monolo- a lot of narration from Cyclops, inner monologue stuff. Corsair trying to teach Cyclops how to fight. The twist here is that um, Corsair's dying. And looking at it realistically, you know, by the if they're going to get rescued off this planet where they're stranded, this remote planet, the odds are Corsair's not going to make it. So his aim is he wants to teach Scott to survive long enough to be rescued. Scott's aim is he wants to get rescued ASAP because he doesn't want his father to die. Leads to some interesting dynamics. Um, neither knows best. Neither necessarily is is more right than the other, but they try to persuade each other, like, look, this is why my way works. This is why my way works. Just some really deep character stuff. The art by Carnero is beautiful. They does a nice job making this planet seem very alien. Um, like I said, there's, there's action in this issue, but it's a lot more thinking and a lot more talking, and I'm really just impressed by the lengths these guys were able to go to. Very, very strong issue. Fantastic Four number 9, written by James Robinson. There's that name again. Guest art by Mark Lamming. Um, it's called East of Eden, part one. Uh, very interesting name for a comic. Just checking in all the various characters. That's kind of what this book has become is James has split up the Fantastic Four, so he's following each of them. Reed has started his new job. Sue is trying to figure out how she's going to deal with the kids being gone. Johnny is hitting rock bottom as far as no longer having a job. Original Human Torch, Jim Hammond, who we saw earlier in All New Invaders, takes the kids on a really sweet rescue mission for Dragon Man. And then the thing is in prison where he's on he's in the raft. Uh, and he meets up with Sandman, who, you know, sometimes friend, sometimes foe, gives him kind of a lay of the land of what's going on at the raft. And it turns out there's someone from his past who is there and who plays a very interesting part in the dynamics of the prison. All right, one I've been waiting a long time for, and I'm uh, I'm kind of kind of devastated Ryan isn't here to do this one with me as we've, we've both been waiting. I know he's been torturing this one. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number 18, written by Brian Michael Bendis, Art by Ed McGinnis. It's an original Sintian. It starts with Gamora interrogating Peter Quill. She's got him tied up. It's fantastic. It's very funny. And she wants to know once and for all what happened in the Cancerverse. How is Thanos alive? How is Drax alive? And of course, most importantly for me, what the heck happened to Nova Rich Rider? Um, from that outset, we got a flashback to the Cancerverse and beautiful Ed McGinnis art. We have that awesome final charge from Thanos Imperative, Star-Lord and Nova just going full bore after Thanos. They are ready to die. They're ready to do their their Butch and Sundance thing. And 
it turns out to be more complicated. Of course, they explore the cancer burst. Really great fight issue. McGinnis was, you know, this is the stuff he's hardwired to draw. Drax shows up, so Drax is involved. We don't really get some answers, but we do get more of the story. Uh, just a beautiful, amazing fight between Drax and Thanos. Of course, the real, you know, the fun for me is getting to see Nova back. Bendis nails his voice right away. Ed McGinnis draws him a dream for me. Uh, really getting to see the heroism of Rich Rider, but also, ah, I didn't realize how much I missed the dynamic between him and Star-Lord. They are so fun together. Um, and really the driving force here, as, as Star-Lord continues to tell the story to Gamora, is Star-Lord's got the Cosmic Cube. He is trying to figure out a way to use it to get them home. Thanos is saying, you don't know how to use the Cosmic Cube. Give the Cosmic Cube to me. Star-Lord's saying, you know what? We're willing to die so that you don't get out of here. Drax complicates the situation, and... Peter is starting to waver on whether or not, you know, he wants to use Cosmic Cube to kill Thanos, to get them home. Can he master it? Is he in control of the cube? Is the cube in control of him? Nova just trying to get things on track. Drax's engine of destruction. Thanos, it's all great. And uh, again, to harp back, I want to, I want to name the full art team because they did such a good job here. Um, we had Ed McGinnis on pencils, but then we also had Mark Farmer on inks, Justin Ponzor on colors, Corey Petit on letters. Just a awesome, complete package of beautiful art, a story I have been really waiting to read. We just get the, just get kind of the, you know, just the tip here. Uh, great Nova stuff for those of us who have been missing him, and great Star-Lord stuff, Drax stuff, Thanos stuff. Just a great issue to whet the appetite for more. Uh, I have waited months to read this issue, and now i got to wait to read the next one. But, you know, so it goes. That's a good feeling to have in comics. Inhuman number four, written by Charles Soule. Art by new artist Ryan Stegman. Beautiful stuff. Ryan bringing the A-game here with the new humans, uh, redesigns, new characters, all sorts of stuff. Thor guest stars as Medusa is showing him around New Adelan. He is um, a little skeptical of Adelan being right next to humans, basically because of what happened with Asgard. He meets some of the new characters. There's an assassination attempt on Medusa that goes in an interesting direction and once again shows why she's an awesome character. We also, across the world, meet another new character, lots of new characters in Inhuman, which I love that Charles Soule is starting to build up this world. But we get the introduction of Reader, who he's talked about in interviews. He's basically a blind character who is able to activate his powers through these Braille keys. We don't learn a lot about his powers. He meets up with another character, another new Inhuman, and they are separate from the main story for now. It will be interesting to see how they link up as this tapestry continues to evolve. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man number 29, of course, an adaption of the animated series. This is an episode I liked. Uh, this is an adaptation of Run, Pig, Run, guest starring Spider-Ham, or rather starring Spider-Ham. It's adapted by Joe Caramagna. It's a lot of fun for all ages. Original Sin, Thor and Loki, The Tenth Realm, number four, or Original Sin 5.4, if you prefer. Both names are very long. Two fronts going on here. This is written by Al Ewing and Jason Aaron. The stuff going on in the Tenth Realm of Heaven, where Thor is getting tortured by the queen that is drawn by Simone Bianchi. Uh, Loki and Angela, not knowing their relationship to each other, are starting to figure one another out. And then Loki also leads an invasion drawn by Lee Garbett outside of heaven, headed back to Asgard. As always, Loki is up to more than it seems. And guess what? Thor is actually also up to more than it seems. Not uh, He's not as uh, taken out as you might believe. But the whole thing ends with Loki 
going to recruit someone, probably the last person we ever thought we would see, someone with ties to Asgard who may be able to stop this war before it starts. Savage Hulk number three, written and drawn by Alan Davis. In the last issue, we saw the Hulk's gamma irradiation transfer to Marvel Girl. She takes a really weird turn in this issue as she gets a new costume, starts using her powers in a different way. But not all is as it seems, as Charles Xavier takes a little journey through the Hulk's mindscape um, and finds out how, how Bruce Banner contains the Hulk. Um, and it's... It's very hard to explain. All I will say is that Alan Davis's art is beautiful. He gets to draw the Hulk having awesome fights. Uh, he gets to draw a ton of characters by way of the Mindscape gimmick. He gets to draw all the X-Men in their glory, powers, everything. It's a beautiful artistic showcase and a very interesting story, so do check it out. Speaking of interesting stories, Silver Surfer number 5, man, written by Dan Slott, art by Mike and Laura Allred. Uh, when we last left the Silver Surfer, Silver Surfer, he was freaking out because he could not leave Earth. Um, he heads back to the Greenwood Inn and tries to get Dawn to explain what's going on. He thinks he needs her in order to leave Earth again. Uh, great interaction between Surfer and Dawn. Uh, I love that he, like he says, to me, my board, he says, to me, Dawn Greenwood, and Dawn Greenwood says, did you just say to me, Don Greenwood? She's the perfect character to keep the surfer in line. Um, surfer just so frustrated in this issue. I really like seeing frustrated Silver Surfer. I've decided that is the new definitive take on him. Not, you know, very, oh, I know everything, very poetic. Uh, frustrated, I am so powerful, why can I not figure things out? Silver Surfer is the best Silver Surfer, and awesome Don Greenwood is the best character to go with him. But we got the Hulk and Doctor Strange, also Defenders, along with Silver Surfer. They have got a little case involving Nightmare, and they explain why it relates to Surfer's inability to leave Earth. Dawn, once again, proves key to getting them out of this. Uh, they have to go and face some nightmares of various characters. Hulk gets to fight a bunch of tentacly things. Doctor Strange gets to use his powers. Uh, we get a callback to the first couple issues in terms of guest stars. Mike Allred gets to draw all of it. Laura Allred gets to color all of it. And... Dawn makes a bunch of fateful decisions. Dawn's such a great character. Uh, her method for trying to wake up Nightmare is tremendous. Super fun. Just so much joy. Just the type of comic that makes you feel like you're a kid again because just the, the wonder of it all. Highly recommended. Thunderbolts, number 30, part four of The Punisher versus The Thunderbolts, written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Art this issue by Jorge Fornes, and it has come down to Punisher against Elektra. And not just do we get flashbacks to their relationship throughout this series, we also go all the way back to uh, a Punisher comic from 2003, which I've never read, which is apparently where Punisher and Elektra first met. Some cool fighting, fighting ninjas in the current day. Punisher and Elektra trying to take each other down. Elektra overmatching a little bit. Flashback to key points of their relationship. Some stuff that's really sweet for them that would be really gross for other people. But by the end of the issue, uh, what happens with them is just heartbreaking. And you will, I, you know what, this was always just kind of a, yeah, this is a thing going on for me in terms of Thunderbolts. But now that it's over, oh, and you find out where Elektra first saw Punisher, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, 
now that it's over, I already missed this relationship, and I hope they get back together. So this is a very effective issue. Also, something going on with Hawkeye that is going to tee up uh, him getting involved in the Punisher's War against Red Hulk. Uncanny Avengers number 23, written by Rick Remender, art by Sanford Green, basically the postscript to the big Avenge the Earth um, seeing what's going on with all our characters. Wasp and Scarlet Witch take a little vacation. They come back, and Wasp and Havoc have to work out their relationship issues. Uh, Banshee is around, but not really around. Steve Rogers, for the first time, meets the rest of the team in his new, older incarnation. Sunfire has new powers. Thor is dealing with his role in everything. Um, and Wolverine, just coping, just coping. But really, the issue belongs to Rogue, who now has a new... New status for her powers and old status is really, really sad to see. She's basically lost her abilities to control her powers, um, which makes her more interesting, but it's so sad. Um, and we also get a drop-in by Amortis, who visits Havoc and Scarlet Witch. And then a very real prelude to Axis, as Red Skull has a new guy he's working with and a horrible, horrible plan. Also worth noting, there is a tribute in the last pages of the issue to... Uh, Jacoby Stewart Lotta, a three-year-old Avengers fan who unfortunately lost his life last year when a tree limb fell on him in a playground when he was playing. Uh, Sanford Green, the artist for this issue, uh, is a family friend of, of Jacoby's family, uh, draws a really nice tribute to him, gets some great pictures of Jacoby and a, a nice thing from his family. Uh, really sad. Um, cute kid. I'm sure he was a great kid and definitely missed. Glad we were able to celebrate him a little bit in the pages of Avengers. Wolverine number 12, the final issue of Wolverine of this run. And the last Wolverine story concludes. Uh, nice full circle run for writer Paul Cornell, who brings it all back to a shopping mall where he started his first Wolverine story. It's Wolverine versus Sabretooth once again. There are hostages involved. There is real danger for Wolverine. He has to take all the lessons he has learned over the last several months and years, as well as all the allies he has made, and figure out a way to defeat Sabretooth, who has really frustrated him as of late. You also get two backup stories uh, drawn by Salvador LaRocca, also written by Paul Cornell, exploring if Wolverine had made a different choice uh, a little ways back, um, how it would have changed this storyline, and also a look at Guernica, which is the bar that Paul Cornell introduced that I hope sticks around. Um, it's a really neat idea for a superhero bar. Finally this week, we got Wolverine the X-Men number 8, written by Jason Latour, art by Paco Diaz, as well as David Messina. Um, neat idea for this issue is that Wolverine and Storm are on a date in the world, Phantom X's old crib. And since time passes differently there, we get to experience a year with them in the world. It almost reminds me of the old uh, life-death stories by Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor-Smith with Storm and Forge. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, it might be a little homage to that. But basically, Wolverine and Storm go through a year of living there, starts out with a nice dinner, ends up with them getting involved in a huge war because, you know, X-Men, um, and learning a lot about of each other. And Wolverine coming to terms with his relationship with Storm and a lot about who he is today, who he is going forward, especially with his new status, um, and who he wants to be. And there's a neat ending to the whole thing that I really enjoyed. Okay, so a lot of great comics this week. Because um, Ryan's out, I'm going to give a few twins of the week. I am going to call out Cyclops number four, which I thought was just beautiful work by Greg Rucka as well as Carmen Carnero. Uh, I am going to mention Silver Surfer number five. Super fun, just 
Dan Slott's packing so many ideas into that and seeing the Allred Strahd is a joy. And then I'm also, of course, going to mention Guardians of the Galaxy because, come on, guys, Rich Rider Nova. A um, lot of good stuff to read this week. Hope you guys check it all out. Collections on sale this week. Avengers Undercover, Volume 1, Descent, Deadpool versus Carnage, Fantastic Four, Volume 1, The Fall of the Fantastic Four, Marvel Masterworks Atlas Era Tales of Suspense, Volume 1, Marvel Masterworks Marvel Rarities, Volume 1, in hardcover, New Warriors, Volume 1, The Kids Are All Fight, great title, Oz, Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz, X-Force by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, The Complete Collection, Volume 2, and X-Force, Volume 1, Dirty Tricks. Digital comics on sale this week. Everything I mentioned, as well as Avengers Original Series issues 51 through 52 and 54 through 70, and Iron Man Original Series issue 204, 210, and issues 236 through 238. Collections on the app this week Avengers Undercover Volume 1 Descent, Deadpool vs. Carnage, Fantastic Four by Mark Wade and Mike Waringo, Ultimate Collection Book 2, Fantastic Four Volume 1, The Fall of the Fantastic Four, Miss Marvel Volume 8. War of the Marvels, New Avengers The Reunion, New Warriors Volume 1, The Kids Are All Fight, still a great title, Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, Hope, X-Factor Volume 15, They Keep Killing Madrox, that's a really fun storyline, uh, X-Force Volume 1, Dirty Tricks, and X-Men Operation Zero Tolerance. Meanwhile, over on Marvel Unlimited, freshly digitized for this week, we got Cataclysm, The Ultimate's Last Stand Number 5, Deadpool Number 24, Fantastic Four Current Series Number 1, George Romero's Empire of the Dead, Act 1, number 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, number 12, Hawkeye, number 15, Indestructible Hulk, number 19, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man, number 23, Mighty Avengers, number 7, Origin 2, number 2, Revolutionary War Super Soldiers, number 1, Secret Avengers, number 16, Superior Spider-Man, number 28, Thunderbolts, number 22, Wolverine, number 2, and Wolverine and the X-Men, number 42. All right, before I send you guys over to Mark, uh, a pretty good helping of news. The all-new Young Guns are in full effect on Marvel.com. We got podcasts. We got sketchbooks. We spoke to David Marquez this week. We have some art from Ryan Stegman. A lot of great stuff coming up. Last week, Nathan Edmondson talked about CNN's Anderson Cooper coming to Black Widow. What? Yeah, he plays a very interesting role coming up in uh, Black Widow, so do check that out. Women of Marvel was back last week, their podcast. They had another reading circle with special guest Daniel Ketchum talking about Storm Number 1, one of my favorite comics of the year. whole bunch of Marvel 75th anniversary. Uh, look back at Howard the Duck in the 70s and 80s. A really neat chat with Roger Stern about one of my favorite Avengers stories, and I know Ryan's as well, and that's Under Siege from the 80s. A uh, sneak peek at the Wolverine story that Len Wein and Paul Gulacy are doing in the Marvel 75th Anniversary Special. And a new video trailer for the uh, 60s and 70s. Not really a trailer, but a cool highlight package that Rich Herrera put together. Over in the world of gaming, Spider-Man Unlimited is coming. It's an awesome new mobile game by Gameloft, and we showed the first nine available characters. It's going to tie in a bit to Spider-Verse, meaning you can play as lots of different Spider-Men. There's a lot of cool ones available um, and we showed just a few of them. We're going to be continuing to do that every week. Guardians of the Galaxy, the Universal Weapon, has a new lower price. It also has two new characters, Hulk and Angela, available for the first time in any video game. Angela has never been available before. And in Marvel Avengers Alliance, Medusa is now available to be purchased. That is all the news I got. I'm going to send you guys over to Mark Strom, who has more on movies and TV, and then I will come back for a quick sign-off. Mark Take it away. Hello there this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom along with assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. 
with another thrilling installment of the Strami and the Wolfman show. I, of course, am the Wolfman, and Patrick is Strami. Wait a second. We need to explain how I got the nickname Strami. Nope, nope, we're leaving it at that. So, kicking things off, we had a big weekend for Guardians of the Galaxy. We were number one at the box office again, and we are now officially the number one movie of the summer. So, well, domestically, number one movie of the summer domestically. And in our hearts, it's the number one movie of the summer. In my heart, it is the number that is higher than one. Two? No, it's I the mean number two. No, no, like you know, it's the number like number one isn't like a high enough praise for it. It's Got like it. it's like the number absolute movie. Got it. In Got my it. heart. So that of course leads us into some more of our stars taking the ALS ice bucket challenge. Vin Diesel took it. Uh who all else? Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt. Well, we talked about Chris Pratt really? last week. Yes, thank you for paying attention when I talk, Patrick. Oh, um, Chris Pratt did it. <laughs> anyway, you can check out the full list on Marvel.com. And with that, we're going to go over to the world of television, and I'm going to kick it to Patrick, who has some big news for Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man, big news. We've got the season premiere of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors on August 31st at 9 a.m. on Disney XD. And it was just announced one of the uh, big events this season is going to be Spider-Man traveling through multiple Spider-Man universes. And in one of these universes, he bumps into Miles Morales and the big exciting news is that Miles will be voiced by none other than Donald Glover. I know lots of people are going to be excited about that. He's definitely a fan favorite from uh, his work on Community. And I know Donald Glover is a big fan of Spider-Man. So it's pretty cool that uh, he gets the opportunity to voice Miles. That will be coming later this season. But we've got the clip on Marvel.com so you can check that out. Also, uh, going along with the premiere, we had a piece about some of Spider-Man's best team-ups from previous seasons. The opening premiere event features Spider-Man joining the Avengers. So we put together some of our favorite times that he's teamed up with other superheroes. We've also uh, put up a piece about Spider-Man swapping brains with other characters because in this premiere event, Loki swaps brains with Spider-Man and they uh, take over one another's bodies. So we put together some of the other times it's happened. Uh, which, is, which is more than you'd think. Yeah. It's I mean, a, what you really start looking at. Yeah, and and I believe Wolverine pops up twice on the list in two different two different times. He swapped brains with Spider-Man, which is out of all the characters to swap brains, I can't really think of two that are more different. So we put together some uh, some of those occurrences. I'm pretty sure if you swapped brains between Mephisto and the Watcher, that would be more different. 
Okay, well, you can look forward to that article that Strami will be posting later of some of his fan fiction of what would happen. I believe that's a very special what if issue that's going to be coming out. Written by Strami, so be on the lookout for that. Probably on on comic shelves next week. We're gonna rush it straight to the publisher. Oh boy. Uh, anyways, also we've got some more articles. There's some more things going to be posted later this week. We've got an interview with the vice president of Current Animation, Steve Wacker, talking about the season, as well as one of the show's producers, Harrison Wilcox. We got to chat with them, and so you can be on the lookout for that. We've also got a clip that'll be premiering of the episode, so check that out. And until the 31st, which is when it premieres, you can check out the first part of this two-part premiere on iTunes for free. So if you're listening to this before August 31st, head over to iTunes and watch that first half of that episode. I, I, I love how you keep on, you, you've repeatedly said August 31st so far. It is August 31st, right? Well, right, but it's also this Sunday. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this <laughs> on September 1st, on your Labor Day, by the way, happy Labor Day, everybody. But if you're listening to this on Labor Day, which is less than a week from now, then who knows? All right. But you're right. August 31st does happen to be this Sunday. All right. Well, that covers everything, I think, in Ultimate Spider-Man. In the world of live-action TV, we've got some cool new reveals we've had for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, of course, returns with its new season Tuesday, September 23rd at 9 p.m. on ABC. We showed off the first image of Lucy Lawless as Agent Isabel Hartley. We announced that Carl Crusher Creel, who fans may know as the absorbing man in the comics will be plaguing Coulson and his team in the season premiere. We have your first look image at him. He's played by Brian Patrick Wade. And we will probably have more stuff coming up this week, actually, but I don't want to say it just in case it doesn't happen. So just keep your eyes on Marvel.com. Anyway, that pretty much covers everything that we've got. Uh, as Patrick said, this weekend, for those of you listening in the States, is Labor Day. So we want to wish everyone listening to us on this side of the pond a safe and happy long weekend. And until then, we will uh, we thank you for listening, and we'll chat with you again in seven more days. This is where I say my catchphrase, which I don't remember, because I didn't even know I had a catchphrase. Thank you, Mark. Awesome report. Hope everything's well out there. Uh, and guys, that's going to be it for this week. I know this is a shorter episode, but like I said, uh, I'm still recovering from illness. Ryan is out, and we had to turn this around quickly this week for a few other reasons. So hopefully you did enjoy this truncated version of this week in marvel next week we'll be back with reader comments so please send those using the hashtag this week in marvel and then in two weeks from today we will have the full squadron supreme uh, this week in marvel unlimited reading club so if you haven't started squadron supreme read all 12 issues if you already read the first six read six more and once again guys uh, if you're listening to this on itunes please 
leave a rating, leave a review. It helps get us closer to, uh, I don't know, all sorts of goals that we're striving for. And you can be a part of that. But anyways, until next time, I want to thank you guys for listening. And we will be back. Until then, this is Marvel, your universe.